this episode of Still To Be Determined, we're going to be having a flashback of sorts in that Matt, our Matt, undecided with Matt, is going to be in conversation with Matt Reisinger from the Build Show Network and podcast. And no, this isn't an some sort of deja vu. Matt <laughs> and Matt have had conversations before, and we have shared the conversations between Matt and Matt before, but this is a new conversation. So what will they be talking about? <laughs> we'll find out in a few minutes. But first, welcome to Still To Be Determined. This is, of course, the podcast that follows up on the channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. And who am I? Well, I'm Sean Farrell. I am the brother of the aforementioned Matt, not the second Matt, the first Matt. And I'm a writer. I write some sci-fi, I write some stuff for kids, and I'm just generally curious about technology. And with me, as always, is my brother, Matt, the aforementioned first Matt. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm very confused which Matt I am right now, <laughs> but I'm good. How about you? Well, just know that whichever one you are, I'm glad to have you here. And how am I doing? I'm a little discombobulated as everybody might be able to tell. Uh, but I'm looking forward to the conversation that we're about to share with everybody. People who are regular viewers will know that Matt, my brother, has discussed with Matt Reisinger before various uh, approaches to building a home, various advances in technology, and that's what their new conversation is about. The two Matts discuss what technologies and techniques in home building are catching their eyes right now, my brother, of course, just recently completed building his home and utilized some of the things that they're going to talk about. But there are some other things on the horizon that might be brand new to both of them. And they're going to talk about what they think has the most potential going forward. Things like 3D printing of homes, factory build homes, new design software that takes your design and sends it to a factory for pre-cutting and more niche techniques like ICF foundations, rammed earth, and more. So on we go to the conversation between the two Matts, Matt Farrell and Matt Reisinger. The Matt and Matt Show. We're back, Matt. You ready for another yes, podcast, my friend? Yes, I am. <laughs> so we're talking today, Matt, about non-standard building techniques that could be the future of homes. This is a topic that I think gets you and I both a little excited, doesn't it? Yes, it does. I get super excited to think about all the different techniques that are getting kind of getting a groundswell of interest around them. Yeah. Things like 3D printing homes, all, all that kind of fun stuff. There's a lot of cool stuff happening. Let's start with cool stuff in your own home, then, Matt, because you chose to build a Unity home that I suspect by the time uh, this publishes, you, you may be moved in by now. But yep. uh, tell me about Unity's process. You know, what is the what would you consider their construction method? Is that is that prefab? Is it SIPs? How do you explain yeah. it? Yeah, I think it would be, I can't, it's, it's kind of a, it's not, I don't know if it would be SIPs, but I think it's, it's kind of like a prefab home, but it is what they're building in a factory is they build the walls, the, uh, maybe it is SIPs. Would it be considered SIPs? It's kind of a very, you know, it's a structural insulated panel, right? Yeah. And I think of it as different than prefab, even though it is prefab because there's no drywall on the inside. There's no fixtures right. installed, although one cool thing about them is they can install windows at the factory if you want, yes. or you can do them on site up to you. So it's a, it's kind of a weird hybrid. Yeah. The, the, the one, the one that I had built, I had a chance to go to the factory, see my actual house getting built. Oh, um, yeah, it was, so it was cool. awesome to see the actual wall panels getting built, but they construct the wall panels in a, you know, climate controlled facility. So they don't have to worry about inclement weather or anything like that to slow down the production time. 
everything is set up for the workers so that they can very quickly and easily move around the panels to build them fast. Uh, put the windows directly in, put the doors <laughs> in as well, and then they're just delivered to site and assembled on site. So for me, it was that structural insulated panel prefab method. Was I was drawn to it because of the efficiency, the less waste. Mm -hmm. um, there's less uh, wood that's required and just tossed away because of the way it's constructed because you can share materials between projects very easily. So it's it's a more efficient system for building a home, and it just really drew me to it because of that. And and any idea, Matt, on how thick your walls are? They're about, I think they're 15 inches thick. So it's like, that's including everything because there's a 10 inch I-beam in the middle of the, the wall and okay. then it's densely packed cellulose between zip sheathing. And then on the inside, there's a two and a half inch stud on the inside where they attach the drywall to on the inside of the home. So once you've put all the siding on the outside and the drywall on the inside, the house is, the walls are about 15 inches thick. Wow. And yeah. uh, I was just looking up at the web. It looks like loose fill cellulose is roughly R3 to R4 per inch. You've got dense pack. Yep. So I don't know exactly what your R value in your walls is. Do you know off the top of your head? I think it's R35. Holy I cow. That's yeah. incredible. <laughs> yeah. And R35. then the attic is going to have R60 uh, blown in insulation. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I don't know code for your exact area, but it's probably R40 in the roof. So you're R60, yep. but you're yep. also, you know, almost thermal bridge free basically throughout the house, walls and ceiling. So you're at least 50% higher than code on your ceiling. And you might be somewhere around double or not quite double on the walls. I would bet. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, I believe standards, what, R20? Or something like that yeah, for the walls. Somewhere in there, you're yeah. in, you're in a colder climate zone, so it's going to be higher than where I am. Uh, yeah. Any idea of what air tightness uh, might be on your house? It's going to be passive house level quality, okay. which is what is that? It's point six or below. Yep, point uh, six. Yeah. For my the, nerds out there, that's air changes <laughs> per hour at sixty pascals. Yeah, the, 50, the 50 pascals. Sorry. Yeah, the blower door test they did when they assembled the basic shell uh, came out below point six. It was like point five something. Holy cow. And then we're, it's going to probably get better by It'll the time it's all done. It'll yeah. get better. That's incredible, yeah. Matt. That's so cool. And uh, for those of you who have not seen Unity, they're, they're a division of Benson Wood. Uh, and so there's some, some version of some walls that are kind of like a modern timber frame. Uh, where it's wood, wood is the is the main uh, structure on the house, but then usually they're solid sheathed on the outside. I believe with Huber Zip System sheathing, uh, is that still the case, Matt? Yes, and, it is. And then on the inside, either Huber Zip System again, or sometimes just bare OSB. Usually a higher grade OSB. Is yours have one of it's, those two? It's Zip on the inside as well. And zip. Okay. And then uh, basically a fully taped uh, and sealed outside. Mostly they deal with tape and stretch tape, maybe a little liquid flash. And then on the inside, they also tape, correct, on your yes, house? Yes, they did. Yeah, they taped on both sides. So yeah. so in other words, you've got this very, very airtight shell uh, on the outside, map, which is a lot like a, the way they build in Europe, uh, where it's airtight, fully, uh, thickly insulated, uh, and so you've got this interesting hybrid that's kind of prefabricated, definitely factory built, although assembled on site. Uh, the panels are crane sized, but they're not like room sized, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and it's similar to SIPs. I've built a couple of SIPs houses in my uh, in my career now, Matt. 
and I have to say, I only used one particular SIPS manufacturer, uh, and I liked them, but I wasn't in love with them. Uh, <laughs> and what's interesting about Benson Wood is that their processes, their systems are so dialed. And you actually bought from Unity, which is kind of like their uh, Model T kind of Ford factory, so to speak, where they're like, look, you can have any flavor of Ford as long as it's black. <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. Not entirely true, but they have like, I don't know, a dozen floor plans at Unity. And it's not like a whatever you can, whatever your architect can draw kind of thing. Now, they do have another division called Benson Wood, which is really whatever your architect can draw. They'll engineer it and figure out how to do it with their system. With some, there are some, um, uh, there are some caveats to that because they build everything monopoly framing, where mm-hmm. any overhangs are built on top of the structure later, uh, and that way everything has a continuous air, water, and moisture barrier from foundation to ridge without any breaks. Fantastic way to build. On the other hand, Matt, it's kind of a totally new and very different uh, type of uh, non-standard technique is this whole 3D printing. Have you spent any time looking at it or watching it or, or seeing any jobs? Yeah, I, I've not been to any job sites, but I've done a lot of research on this. I've seen a lot of examples of it and it seems super promising, but it also seems really early days Yeah, because it's, I've never seen a full house, like multi-story house built this way. It's always just like the first story is built yep. with 3D printing and yep. they do standard construction on top. and. I think there's limitations because of code and engineering requirements mm-hmm. that are mm-hmm. kind of limiting it right now. Yes. But the 3D printing seems really interesting because it's it speeds up the production time. Just like with my house, five days of assembly on site. Five wow. days, there was, there was no house, suddenly there's a house. With 3D printing, it's something similar. It's like they can build the basic structure of the home really quick. Yeah. So there's a benefit there for cost and efficiency. But it also just seemed very early days. I, I know you've seen some of the uh, houses up front, up close with the actual production. Yeah, Icon, which is one of the originators of 3D concrete printing is based here in Austin, Texas. And I've got out to see a couple of their jobs. I I feel like they're friends of mine now. Uh, (laughs) I don't own any stock, so don't take any, uh, don't think that I'm uh, tooting their horn because I've got any skin in the game, but uh, I'm super impressed with them. I think they're gonna scale up and you're gonna see Pulte and D.R. Horton and a couple other builders jump on board the icon bandwagon and suddenly we'll go from uh i don't know what they're they've got this i don't know if you saw the video but i made a video at uh, wolf creek wolf ranch in georgetown uh Mm -hmm. just 45 minutes from my office and they were printing like 75 homes there something like that i think they could scale up icon could and they could be printing 7500 homes in the next two or three years and maybe in a decade, 75,000 homes a year. Uh, and you're right, they're all they're only kind of first floor at this point, but in terms of resilience, durability, um, you know, all those kinds of things paired with the right roof system, dang, I'm impressed. I think it's really, yeah. really cool. And to go from cardboard sheathing, like some of the builders <laughs> in that same Georgetown area are using, to uh, two layers of concrete printed, one inner and one outer, Holy cow, what a difference. Yeah, do, do you know offhand like how well insulated they are? Like is the nature of the wall just provide a lot of R value or is it, do you have to do something in addition? Yeah, no, they're also uh, filling them with uh, low density foam uh, okay. in, that, in that void. So the ones that I saw 
kind of remind me of a Yeti cooler where you've got an outer candy shell and an inner candy shell. That's yeah. a real, th- you know, Yetis are heavy and, and durable because they got this thick plastic on the outside. Uh, and then the inside is spray foam, basically. Nothing nothing special there. And that's what these homes have too, just a, uh, a low density spray foam rather than a high density foam. And I like the fact that on the inside of the house, the concrete walls are showing, but the same is true on the outside. So mm-hmm. they, put it, they put that in the middle. And I also like that in a hot climate, uh, you know, that outer concrete's maybe heating up if there's some sun actually beating on it. But now you've got the insulation, plus you've got this inner layer of concrete that should, in theory, be the same temperature as the house that has some thermal mass mm-hmm. and should take longer to heat up kind of Adobe house style. It's interesting. And I kind of, it's, they're taking the, the printer is going to the site and they're, mm-hmm. they're building it on site. I can't remember the name of the company offhand. Was it Mighty Buildings? Mm. Uh, they are doing a different approach where they have a central factory where they're 3D printing the structures, sections of the structure, kind of like my Unity Home. They're doing the same thing in a facility where they're printing sections of the 3D printed structure and then they ship it to site. Whoa. So it's climate controlled 3D printing. And because it's in a central location, they could, in theory, start to churn out very fast, uh, like a pipeline of just wall structures and different systems that they could be building on site elsewhere Dang. in a matter of days. That's pretty wild. How yeah. crazy. How cool is that? I'm going to look that up. Yeah, I think it's Mighty Buildings. I think that was the name of the company. You know, I feel like, Matt, if we're going to talk, if we're going to hit this topic, though, we should at least hit the elephant in the room, which I know people that that are big fans of this style of construction, kind of non-standard. Uh, do you know much about Katera? Are you familiar with that name? No, I'm not. So Katera is really the best funded um building component startup manufacturer ever they were going to build uh apartments and multifamilies and uh had huge factories uh in i want to say arizona and maybe seattle or la uh and like crazy amounts of money like in the hundreds of millions or maybe even approaching billions of dollars uh and they had this promise of oh in a couple years katera will be supplying the framing packages, you know, pre-framed houses to all the builders in the nation, right? Everybody who's building anything more than just a single family potentially would be buying from Katera. Well, they went out of business. Uh, and that's one of the things that's so hard about this kind of prefab, pre-panelized, pre-built home is that yeah. there's just a, a string of companies over the last 30 years that Builder Magazine or some other big publication were like, this is it, this is the holy grail, these guys are gonna be incredible. I saw a slide one time by a, uh, a speaker that showed all their logos and some of them like as back as far as the 70s and 80s to today and now Katera, they were all in the ditch. You know, they all went out of business because it's so, uh, to build a house in a factory is so capital intensive uh, yeah. and, and frankly manpower intensive, uh, whereas as crazy as it seems building on site with a pile of sticks and three framers actually is pretty efficient in the long-term scheme of things. And that's how we've been building houses since, uh, you know, the early 1900s in in America. (laughs) So it's, it's going to take big innovation to, to change that. And, uh, you know, Benson Wood is one shining example of somebody that's been able to do it. Uh, and they've been around a long time. I want to say Ted started his company around 1980, maybe late 70s. 
uh, and has kind of slowly expanded and you probably used his own capital or maybe very little extra capital from outside. Mm. Uh, but in the scheme of things, I don't know how many Unity ships a year. It can't be more than a few hundred, right? It's a, less than that, I think. It's less maybe than a hundred. That. Yeah. yeah. But th- incredibly well built, just not huge numbers. I mean, to talk about Ted Benson, one of my conversations with him, we talked about how they're open sourcing the software that they've created for designing and their 3D, the 3D planning software that they use. They're open sourcing it so that any architect or builder out there could theoretically design a home, put the order in with a, like a, the Unity factory. Wow. They pump out the panels and then they get shipped to site. So it's like they're open sourcing it in a way to try to make to kind of lay the groundwork for more of these kind of style factories that mm. can start popping up around the country and more people could take advantage of this building style. Wow. And I love the fact that he's open sourcing this. It shows that he's really putting like his money and his efforts behind trying to better the everybody. That's it's like, he, cool. it's not just trying to turn a profit, yeah. <laughs> which is, it's great to see that he's trying to like advance the, how we're building our homes in the country to make better forever homes. That's so cool. Um, so it's like for me, like when I look at Ted Benson and at Unity and Benson Wood, it's like they they are kind of the shining beacon on the hill. Yeah. <laughs> as far he's, as I'm concerned, he's a prince of a man too. What an incredible yeah. guy, yeah. Matt. Have you ever heard of uh, Ready Frame before, or seen my videos about Ready Frame by any chance? Yes, I have. I don't know much about it, but I have heard about it. I think Ready Frame is is the one uh, technology that, as we think about kind of non-standard building, that really has legs and that really could be taking over in the in the tens of thousands and and i don't know what their numbers are already they're probably they're probably already at ten thousand a year Um, but what's really interesting about ready frame that for the listener who doesn't know it builders first source which is a big build show sponsor by the way uh has this service called ready frame not at all their 500 locations but a lot of theirs where they basically turn a truss factory into a pre-built um uh, stud factory for lack of a better term where they they take your house they put it in the computer uh, show you a 3d sticks model of the whole house pre-frame it on the computer and then they send that cut list to the factory that basically says all right we're going to cut all these studs to the exact size the cripples the uh, you know the, the kings the jacks the whole shebang to frame a whole house kind of normally but we're as we cut them then we're going to inkjet print a number and we're going to bundle them in a pack that makes sense. So instead of the framer going to get, uh, you know, 32 by 4 by 9 foot pre-cuts, well, you still actually get the pre-cuts, but studs off the wall and figuring out the layout and figuring out everything he needs, he's going to get a bundle, bundle number 104 from the pile. And literally this job site has no saws going. Uh, and also has very little waste on site. Like we go from at least a dumpster or more in framing to a small pile of some bands and a couple of blocks maybe, and that's it. Uh, <laughs> and it's a, it's a fabulous uh, way to frame. And I just built my very first ready frame this past year. Uh, one of my project managers built his own house with it, and, and uh, my company was involved. My, my normal framer did it. This is a framer who's an old crusty framer, awesome guy I've been doing it for a long time I was like I don't know about this well sure enough we built it in about 30% less time than he would have uh, done it kind of traditionally mm-hmm. um, but the big deal was not just the time but the waste was almost non-existent uh, and that means we get our trades on site faster uh, and it just 
absolutely made sense to this older framer who'd been doing it a long time immediately. And the other cool thing I love about it is it doesn't take the craftsmanship out of it. You know, the guys still have to be smart, forward thinking. You still got to move lumber around. You still need labor on the job site. Uh, you know, you're not you're not taking American jobs. Uh, you still have on-site labor. You still got to deal with the weather, though, unfortunately, and unlike your build that you didn't have to deal with the weather. Uh, but this is really an, an incredible leap forward for kind of standard framing that we've been doing for 100 plus years in America. That's that's really cool. It sounds like it's a best of both worlds, taking advantage of the skill set that's already there, but just making it more efficient. Exactly. Huge. Yeah. And that also honestly allowed us to uh, kind of scale back the crew size needed as well, which is pretty cool. You know, normally we frame with a five man crew uh, and this time we framed it with a three man crew. So, I mean, it, it really is an incredible way of building that I, I think is going to really take off. And one thing I'm working on uh, is uh, uh, the house that I built for my family just recently. Uh, we've got a 3D model of that now through Builders First Source Digital Tools where uh, they can show a rendering of my house and you can click a few buttons and change the facade, uh, change from brick <laughs> to siding, change the color of the siding, change from a metal roof to an asphalt roof or change color. Uh, I forget what they call it. It's uh, part of their digital tools collection. It's uh, home configure. And then the uh, same is true with the inside too. They've got the whole inside of my house modeled as well per the plan so they can change cabinet styles and paints and all these crazy 3D renderings. And they've got a home plan library that they've already built out. They're going to add my house before too long to that home plan library. I need to, hopefully I'm not getting the cat out of the bag here. Um, but you could, in theory, Matt, go to myBLDR.com, uh, click on my house, change some uh, things around the way you like it, uh, change the uh, selections and the colors and the material palette, and press a button and a ready-framed house that you bought on their website, kind of like the Sears and Roebuck catalog, which was incredible uh, for many decades, that would get delivered to the house. And I bet within another decade, they'll have supply chain partners through that whole process so that you could probably buy the cabinet package, the plumbing package, the flooring package, uh, all those other things along with it. But in the, in the meantime, you'll be able to buy the full plans and specs uh, as well as a ready-frame package. Wow. Pretty cool. Talk about plug and play. <laughs> that's, that's the idea. Pretty, pretty yeah. impressive. What, what about um, ICF? Because one of the things that I've always found fascinating about that is it's a typically a different way to do a foundation, but I've also seen people building full homes out mm -hmm. of ICF. Seems like it has some drawbacks to it because you have to deal with the insulation on both sides. Yeah. And sometimes you have to like cut through the star foam on the inside of the house to route cables and pipes and things like that. Do you think stuff like that has legs that could become more popular? Yeah, it's interesting. It's been such a niche market for, for such a long time. And honestly, the, the people that do it tend to be folks like you, Matt, where in our last podcast, we talked about people that were, that were building forever homes. I think people tend to be drawn towards it uh, for that reason. I, I think uh, where ICF shines is... Uh, when you've got houses that are taken away with either flood, hurricane, uh, or other kind of natural disasters on a regular basis, that's where ICF really is an incredible uh, alternative. I mean, what was the uh, Florida hurricane where you saw houses just gone except for one house, and it was an ICF house? I forget where that, that was like two years ago. Do you remember that on the news? 
I don't, I don't remember seeing that in the news. Yeah, I, I, can't, <laughs> I remember taking a picture of the NBC Nightly News when I was watching it, and it was one ICF house on the coast, and everything else was just wiped out from this hurricane wow. in Florida. So, I mean, wow. that's, that's where I think ICF really shines, because concrete construction is really what uh, a good majority of the world does. Uh, it is pretty intensive, though, if you think about energy intensiveness. Uh, yep. I heard you talking about kind of reducing the amount of concrete in your build. But on the other hand, you know, a lot. what's more energy intensive than having to build three houses over the course of 100 years because of, uh, uh, because of things wiping them out, natural disasters <laughs> wiping them out, whether it's fire or flood or uh, wind or whatever. Uh, so I, I think for people that are in coastal regions, for people that are in fire-prone regions, it's a pretty incredible way to build. Yeah, it's, I'm, like you said, I'm trying to optimize the less concrete in my build but I can totally understand why some people would want to kind of double down in concrete. I mean, it's the most used material in the world (laughs) for a reason. It stands the test of time and it can take a beating. So it's like, it makes a lot of sense why some people would want to do it that way. Yeah. Which if you're going to go that route, ICF seems like a promising path um, to try to speed up the production, get good insulation value out of it and have a well-built house. But there's a, there's a lot of people out there, Matt, that are builders that absolutely fawn over ICF construction and can't stop talking glowingly about it. Uh, (laughs) I've done a couple, uh, that's not true. I've only done one. I guess I've only done one. Uh, and I liked it. Um, but in the end, I think that, uh, I probably could have done standard construction on that house, standard concrete, I should say on that house, uh, formed walls and had a similar result. I mean, one, one of the things that's the, uh, the dirty secret of ICF that no one will tell you, but if you've been around a while, you've seen it, is that those houses are a little harder and more difficult to waterproof. And if water gets in, the concrete doesn't get hurt, but nobody likes water inside their house. And if you use traditional building materials on the inside, like drywall, for instance, well, now you got a problem if water gets in. And so uh, I know of several uh, multifamily projects that were built out of that type of construction that have issues and not small issues. Uh, And I can think of several single families that I've heard about, talked to homeowners uh, over the years that have had those similar issues because it's it's not um, necessarily an easy product to waterproof. Uh, Below grade walls, believe it or not, I think are easier to waterproof with it, especially with sheet applied goods. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, and, you know, rain screens and dimple mats and all that sort of thing. But, again, this comes back to, like we talked about in the last podcast, um, the amount of exposure on the house, too. Uh, right. You know, if you're building a house on the top of a hill where the wind hits it and, and water doesn't necessarily come from the sky, it comes uphill <laughs> with the wind, it just means that you've got to take your uh, your level of waterproofing up a notch or maybe up two notches. And so that's something that that we don't necessarily think of as homeowners building or sometimes even as builders building with new products is, you know, I need to think of all the horrible situations and scenarios where this house could get wet uh, and plan for those worst case scenarios. Are there any, like, there's a bunch of other, it's more materials that jumped in my head, not necessarily building techniques. Are there there any other, it's like, have have you thought about like hempcrete or hemp blocks, which Mm -hmm. get some attention? Yeah. They're not, they're not structural they can't take the weight yep. but they are incredible r value and they're like, fireproof they, fireproof they have a lot of benefits but yeah. there's you really have to engineer around it if you're going to use it yeah so i don't know how good that is how much like 
like what's the forecast there because it feels like it's so niche yeah. it feels like that will never quite catch on that's the hard part man i think you have to really fall in love with it and really want it to do it because it's it's in that price tier uh that's just up there yeah. very labor intensive very material intensive and it's not like it's an everyday like oh just call the hemp creek guy who's doing it all the time <laughs> right you gotta yeah call a crew that's from out of state or find an architect that knows how to work with it on the other hand if you if you've got some material sensitivities if you've got chemical sensitivities if you've got mold sensitivities you know sometimes those people are willing to to dive deep and really figure out what they're going to do and that's one that makes a lot of sense for those types of people but it's it's such a niche product you know it's it's a little like uh rammed earth in some respects yeah have exactly ever, have you seen a rammed earth house before yeah I mean, yes i have super cool super artistic super architectural um but dang is it labor intensive uh yeah. and especially if you want it to look good and not just look like you slapped it together and had some thought behind it i got to yeah, go to but- a uh a rammed earth house in marfa texas which is like this cool town that's turned into the the hot town where the celebrities go uh and i did a video there uh on this house under construction that my buddy from austin had his crew out there building in west texas man it was one of the coolest architectural buildings i'd ever seen (laughs) uh funny story on that i published that video and my my buddy called me the next week and was like you won't believe it a border patrol helicopter landed on our property and the guys were like, hey, what's going on? And the guy was like, is this the house that was on the build show that I saw last week? And they're like, yeah, That's amazing. we'll give you a tour. And so they gave the guy a tour. They thought he was coming to like check on uh, illegal activity or something. And he was like, no way. I was flying around and saw this house. I think that's the one for the build show. That is fantastic. That is awesome. That is so cool. Uh, but I mean, what a what a cool, te- you know, old slash new technology. I mean, it's like Adobe, basically. You know, these are yep. uh, these are natural materials that uh, are pretty straightforward to build, uh, but you need labor. Uh, although I guess that's not entirely true. There is some concrete in rammed earth because they're putting Portland cement in the mix, just dry. Yeah. Uh, and kind of dense packing it. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, there's. I think that the, some of those technologies, some of those products, probably matter. Just going to continue being niche. I think what's interesting is kind of going back to seeing what happens to that 3D printing. Will that really take off? Will Will mm-hmm. we see houses in mass? Uh, you know, not just maybe hundreds or even thousands, but could we see a hundred thousand plus homes a year? That's when. That's when things are really a big deal in America. Uh, and in the meantime, I really think that Ready Frame has legs. Uh, you know, I think the fact that it doesn't necessarily change the way we build in America, uh, and you know, my house and lots of others that we see videos on and on Build Show Network prove that you can build a really well built house uh, mm-hmm. using products that you get at the local lumber yard. You know, Builders First Source uh, doesn't stock European tapes and uh, you know, crazy things that uh, you have to ship in from uh, from Poland, and yet. I can build a really well-built house that will last 500 years uh, from a a little bit of concrete from my local concrete uh, plant and some wood from my local builders for a source. Right, yeah. It's going to be the technologies that lean into existing infrastructure and talent and skills. It's going to be, those are going to be the ones that succeed. Yeah. For sure. And and then ultimately, I think where where we land this podcast, because I know we're kind of getting short on time, is 
you know, like your house, Matt, you built a really well-built house. You were very thoughtful in the process ahead of time. Uh, you build a house that would uh, could be built by a multitude of, of different builders and have the same result. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when you, uh, let's say, add some solar, add some battery on that, uh, put a span panel in and kind of future-proof it, now you've got a house, Matt, that l- realistically in 2123 will get the kitchen remodeled but the systems, the structures, uh, the yeah. insulation levels might still meet code uh, and would still be a very viable house that someone would go, wow, my, uh, you know, my great uncle, my great, great uncle, Matt, who had this thing <laughs> called a YouTube channel back in, back before we beamed him straight in our mind, uh, was talking about these forever homes and built this amazing house. And how cool is this that, uh, you know, the kitchen's way out of date and the appliances are... Uh, you know, from from last century. But other than that, this is a great house and, and will serve my family well 100 years from now. Yeah, it's about building that forever home. That's the key. Yeah, for sure. Matt, really appreciate you uh, having me on the podcast. I'm, I'm so glad you could join me again. This has been a fun conversation. Thanks pretty, so much. Pretty fun. The dual Matt show. I like this, man. Yeah. Maybe, we need to, maybe we need to start having our own hosted podcast with the Matt and Matt show. I wish I could say, <laughs> comment below if you want to see more of the Matt and Matt show. So our thanks to Matt Reisinger for taking the time to speak with my brother. It's always an interesting conversation when the two of them get together because the two of them really are looking at the horizon and in the foreground and trying to pull those two things together. And it it makes for some interesting discoveries. And I hope that if anybody in our viewership or listenership is thinking about building their own home, I hope the conversation has been helpful to you. If it has, please jump into the comments and let us know your thoughts. Let us know what you're planning. Let us know what you're thinking based on what you heard in the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget, if you want to support the program, you can go back where you found this, either YouTube, Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever it was. Don't forget to leave a review, subscribe and share it with your friends. All of those are great ways to help support this show. And if you want to more directly support us, you can go to stilltbd.fm. You can click the join button there, or there's a join button on YouTube as well. Both those ways allow you to support us directly. We appreciate the support. The quarters that are thrown our way, well, they hurt, they sting a bit when we catch them, but for the most part, we feel pretty good about getting them. So thank you so much for your support. And thank you so much for taking the time to listen or watch We'll talk to you next time.